Welcome to Life Flow. This is George G. And the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Mato Pocini. Mato, are you ready to do this? I'm super ready and thanks for having me. Excited to have you on. Motto is PepsiCo's first ever chief design officer and SVP. In the past eight years, he and his design team have won more than 1,100 design and innovation awards. And in 2018, PepsiCo was recognized by Fortune in its Driven by Design list. His newest book is The Human Side of Innovation, The Power of People in Love with People. Motto, again, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work why you do what you do? Well, I do everything I do because I love to do it. And I feel, you know, very privileged of uh, being in that kind of position, even though that has been somehow what I've been doing all my life and what even my parents were doing as, as I was growing up, I witnessed them doing that. Uh, my father was an architect, is an architect, and, and he was teaching in high school, but his passion was drawing. And so I would see him drawing every single day since I was a kid all the way to today. My mother was working in finance. She hated finance. She left her job when she was 38 to be close to the family, but mostly to do what she loved that was writing and she's been writing all her life poems and thoughts and together they've been self-publishing eight books not to sell them just out of their passion you know it's for the close family and friends so i grew up with that idea do what you love and then ended up becoming a designer uh in, in and this is a profession at least in the way i'm interpreting the, the profession that is not a job is you know I'm 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 lucky again privileged that people are paying me for 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 doing something that I love and I think is one of the key uh, secret recipes for success not just professional success but for success defined by happiness you know reaching your happiness uh, in in the journey not even you know by arriving to a specific achievement being happy from the beginning of that journey all the way to the end because you're doing what you love and 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 they pay you even for that and that's magic that is magic so in the context of well what what is design motto well, you know, I had no clue what design was when I decided to study design in the University of Design of Milan called Politecnico. Um, I actually wanted to be either a writer or an artist, probably inspired by my parents, but, you know, I was good at doing those things. But we were coming from a humble family. We didn't have money. So I needed to choose a university that would give me a job right away. And in art and in writing in Italy back then, there were not many job opportunities. So yeah. He come a friend of mine and tells me, oh, they just opened this new university called Disegno Industriale, Industrial Design. The two words were, were very inspiring for me because design was referring to the world of art and creativity that I loved. Industrial Saman was making that world of art and creativity more commercial. It was like, okay, there may be more job opportunities. So long story short, I decided to study design and then I discovered what design really was. Design is all about observing people as ethnographers, psychologists, understanding them, understand their needs, their wants, their dreams, and their desires, understanding what they tell you, but mostly what they don't tell you by observing their behaviors, how they interact with each other, what they do every day. Once you observe that, you will identify a series of opportunities. 
an opportunity for a new product better than something they are already using today, an opportunity for a new service or a new brand or a new experience. This is what designers do. And then they combine that dimension that we call empathy, the focus on the human being, with two other dimensions that are critical in the, in the, in the industry, in the world of business. One is what we call the feasibility, technology, manufacturing. How can you realize that dream, that idea, that concept that you have? And then the other word is what we call the viability, is the dimension of business. How can you make money out of it, you know, for your company, for yourself, for your business? And so this is what designers do. They observe people, they come up with ideas, they create prototypes around those ideas that make sense for a business and are feasible from a technological standpoint. And then and then they go to market with it and they change the world in all different dimensions. And as designers, we touch the life of people every single day. Everything that surrounds us in the clothing you're wearing right now, in the books you have behind you, the house where we are, everything, everything, everything is designed by a human being, by somebody, unless it was designed by Mother Nature. So by definition, these human beings have the possibility, but with that also the opportunity uh, and the responsibility to touch the life of people every day. And you can touch this life in a positive way, adding value, adding convenience, style, safety, or some form of value, depending on the industry, the product you design, or you can make the life a nightmare. You can make it complicated and challenging and inconvenient. So that's why the responsibility is very big and it's a beautiful, beautiful job. That is a beautiful job. And a, and, and a wonderful explanation of that. Thank you. So possibility, opportunity, responsibility, the empathy, and then making sure that it's viable because we need the thing to actually, I guess, work or people to want to use it, right? And, and making money out of it. This is something very important. You know, designers often are poorest. They're like, they're driven by this idea, very noble, of creating value for other people. This is what you study at school. Then they tell you, by the way, by the way, you also need to make money with it because that's what design is about, is creating something that you can commercialize. And many designers are like, well, okay, I mean, we need to do it. It's part of the game, even though we are driven by this passion of creating value for people. Now, why I say it's important because and this is a message for the designers of the world. Then I have a message for the non-designers. For the designers of the world, it's important to make money with what we do for a simple reason, because if the product is financially successful, it means as you say earlier, that a lot of people are buying it and are using it. You want that design effort not to be focused just on the niche, on the elite, on the premium, you know, part of the population from a, you know, financial revenue standpoint. No, you want design to be democratic. You want value for everybody. You want everybody to access excellence, not mediocrity. And so that's why the financial component is, is important because if you make your product financially viable, if people can buy them, buy it and it's successful, that's great. It means that your good idea is impacting as many people as possible. The second dimension is for all the other people out there, people that are running companies that are listening to us or people that work in companies in non-design position. Designers are trained to create value for people. If you instead study business, you are trained to build a business to move a business from A to B, to grow that kind of business. And they tell you that that's your primary goal. That's your priority. That's what you do as a marketer, as a finance person. And then they tell you, well, you have multiple levers to do it. One is the product, but you have communication and pricing and distribution and many other things. And, 
And this is the problem we're having today, that often you drive growth of businesses without creating value for people through those products by just using other levers. And so this is why this world today needs design more than ever, because design can drive in a purposeful way all these companies, big and small, to create real value for people and making money, creating financial value through that. Today is more important than ever because in this digital, global, tech-driven world we live in, competition is very extreme and you can't win anymore just by creating barriers to entry with your technology, with your scale, without having these extraordinary products for people. So this approach is not an ethical approach, just an ethical approach. It is an approach that makes so much sense in the world of today, also from a business standpoint. I love it. So you would watch your your dad draw every day and your mom would be writing every day once she was able to escape the world of finance. As the chief design officer for a, this massive company, what what do, what are you doing every day? Are you managing others or are you tell us there what you're doing? There are so many things that I do. First of all, the difference with, between me and my parents is that and that's why I, I define myself as privileged and lucky. I was able to totally overlap my passion, you know, in life with my job. And my job is, is so diverse in nature because you go from being really, really involved in few projects that are particularly important for the company and particularly relevant to me. So in those, I roll up my sleeve, I'm there with the designers in the team, and we really define all the details of that specific project. But I can't do that in all the projects. We have thousands of projects, 13, uh, 300, thousands, thousands of projects going on in parallel, 300 designers in house, plus hundreds of design firm outside, 15 locations around the world. So the second part of my work is to make sure that all those designers are empowered to do the best possible design for the company. So that means I need to create the right culture to inspire them, but I also need to talk with all the business leaders and R&D leaders and the executives of the company to make sure that we are building the right strategies to empower design, that design is totally wide and integrated inside the company. So the second component of my work is to connect with so many different peoples with different kinds of backgrounds and somehow sell the idea of design, inspire them, to embrace design. And because of this, over the years, I realized how important people are in these companies. And it sounds so obvious to say, of course, they're important. We always talk about this. And yet, then when you run projects, design projects, innovation projects, business projects, you're so focused on the data and the processes and the ways of working. And we're not focused with the same kind of strategic, fo um, you know, in the same kind of strategic way on the characteristics of these people. The book that you mentioned, the book that I wrote, The Human Side of Innovation, the power of people in love with people talks about this, these people in love with people. The second set of people is this idea of human centricity that I just described, this new focus, business focus on creating value for human beings. But the first set of people is the people that often we don't talk about. When a project fails, you're so focused on understanding what were the business variables that made the pro pro project fail. And you don't think about 
What people were behind that project? Did they have the right ability to dream, but also the right ability to make things happen? Did they have the right curiosity, the right optimism, resilience, respect, humbleness? I came up with 24 different characteristics 15 years ago when I was still in my previous company in 3M, in the tech company from Minnesota, that I use as filters to identify the people to recruit, as a compass for myself to understand how to better myself, and the compass also for my teams to grow the culture of the teams. I created back then, and in the past 15 years, I've been pressure testing all the, these, these different variables. And again, there are some that are more obvious, the ability to think big and make things happen, but there are many others that really made a difference. Now I have 25 years of experience in applying them, first intuitively, and then in the past 15 years, very strategically. And, and wow, they made really the difference. Kindness. Kindness made all the difference in the world in our ability to be effective, to drive quality, to grow this kind of culture inside these companies. Optimism, curiosity, respect. I mentioned a few of them. So in the book, I talk about them. I explain them one by one in hundreds of pages. And I link the positive, emotional, purposeful, and ethical value of these qualities with the business value. Kindness and productivity, kindness and return on investment, kindness and effectiveness of your teams in a society that is hyper-competitive, where you need to be as effective and as efficient as ever. And yet we talk about productivity when we talk about cutting costs, optimizing processes, laying off people. And we don't talk about investing in productivity by investing in kindness. And there is this profound connection between the two worlds because kindness make your teams more bonded, more efficient. They work with each other. They don't betray each other. They don't create a series of redundant activities to protect themselves from one another. That is all a driver of inefficiency inside this organization and often an invisible inefficiency. I love it. That makes a lot of sense. Did your mom like your book? She loved it. I, I think it's a circle. I celebrate my parents a lot in the book, not just this love and passion I mentioned, but there were two things that they really taught me that I took for, for granted for so many years. And then somehow they saved me in this crazy life, this storm that is the life, you know, especially moving from Italy, first to Minnesota, then to New York City, getting, you know, some form of success and, and you risk to lose your way. And, and, but they told me two things that really literally saved me. One was the idea of culture and knowledge and investing in knowing things and seeing life as a continuous opportunity for growing. The second key value was the idea of kindness, of being a good person, of being a human being, of being good to others. And, and so these two dimensions have been so important. And by the way, they, they told me to do two more things that is essentially the opposite of this. They told me, I mean, they told me that fame and success, financial success, where shouldn't be goals of ours, shouldn't be something we aim to. And indeed, they were not. I mean, they, they were fearing those kinds of things. When I started to make some money, not much, a little bit of money, more than average, you know, years ago, I remember my mom, I, you know, vividly remember my mom getting worried that I could lose my way. And so over the years, you know, this idea of culture and kindness combined with this idea that fame and money are not drivers of happiness, 
they were inside me and somehow they came out with full awareness in the most difficult moments of my life. And literally, when I say they saved me, they saved me. <laughs> I love it. Culture and kindness. In 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 writing the book, <clears throat> it sounds like you've been thinking about these 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 principles or variables for a really, really long time. And then you had the opportunity to actually prove them out through the through the practice of them. Uh, was it easy to write the book? Tell us a little bit about your process. Did you write every day? Well, first of all, uh, because I dream, dreamed to be a writer since I was a kid, I knew that sooner or later I was going to write a book. It could be even you know a self-published book like the ones of my parents. Just for myself, I publish it and, and that's it. Uh, and because of this, I've been taking notes all my life. Uh, and these notes maybe will become the content of speeches that I will make uh, all around the world, of articles that I will write, or even chapters of books of others. And so I arrived at a certain point that I had a lot of material, but for me, writing a book needed to be enjoyable, something that I was having fun doing. And so I needed to find a moment in my life where I had a good stability. And the moment came when I met um, my current partner and, and we were stable with each other and we decided to have a baby. And so we started to think about that. And, and, and I was in a moment in PepsiCo where things were more stable, we had more credibility. So I felt so full, so happy, so full of awareness and stable. I was like, okay, this is the moment to write where I'm really going to enjoy it. I have so much material, so it's feasible, no matter my daily job in PepsiCo. And yet I didn't realize how complex it was to write a book. And I started to write the book in October before COVID, the October the year before COVID. And then COVID arrived and it's probably the reason why I was able to write this book. By the way, I wrote so much more. I wrote the equivalent of 1,200 pages of a book. Knowing, knowing I already had a publisher. I was talking with a publisher weekly. I knew that we were never going to publish a book of that size. But once again, I was writing for myself. So now to write a book so long, uh, and for anybody listening to us that wrote a book, you, you will know that you need to edit. And, and when you need to, and you, do, you need to do it over and over and over again by yourself with people that help you. So is, there is a huge difference between rereading 200 pages or rereading 1,200 pages all the time. So it's been really, really intense. It came out something that, is the base for essentially three books. And, and, and so we extract a part of it and became this first book. Uh, but again, we started this conversation talking about the love and the passion for what you do. This book for me was not something that I needed to do for business reasons. It was not something I, I did it for my pride or ego. It needed to be something that was enjoying. And mostly, you know, I mentioned this moment in my life you know, my stability with my significant other and thinking about the baby. This book is literally written thinking about my baby, you know, coming. And now I have, a, I have this baby, she's uh, almost seven months old, but literally what I wrote there was all thinking 
this is something I want her to know about her dad, but mostly I hope is somehow a compass. There are things that are here that I wish, I wish somebody would have told me many years ago. And actually many of those things, when we talk about those 24 characteristics of these innovators, I call them the unicorns, the people in love with people. Well, these characteristics, we should teach them at school. We should, sorry, this is my dog that wants to, to come on the on the let's let's take Bella. She's Bella. Hey, um, Bella. <laughs> so these twenty-four characteristics, you know, we should study mathematics, geography, and literature. But we should study also the power of kindness, the power of curiosity, the power of dreaming and thinking big, the power of making things happen in a proactive way, and so many other things. They're so important in our life. They're so important to, you know, for our happiness. They're so important for our communities. They're so important for our companies. They're so important for our society. And nobody teach, teach them to us. Nobody. They teach us notions and skills. And, and nobody, unless you're lucky and you meet a very enlightened professor and teacher, and there are many out there that somehow teach you this explicitly or through their behaviors, but unless you have that kind of situation, there is not a strategic effort to prepare the society from an ethical standpoint and, you know, around those values that could make the society so much better and this company so much better as well. I love it. I love it. Mauro, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage and where can they get a copy of The Human Side of Innovation, The Power of People in Love with People? Well, you find it in all the bookstores. An easy one is Amazon, of course. And then I'm super active in LinkedIn and in Instagram. I post every day. So if you want to connect with me, that's the right platform to the, the right platforms to do it. Mauro Porcini in Instagram and in LinkedIn. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Mauro your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Pick up a copy of The Human Side of Innovation, The Power of People in Love with People, wherever you buy your books and find Mauro on LinkedIn and Instagram. And I will link all those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Mauro. Thank you. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.